and welcome back to OA On Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. There's been a lot of big news this week. The Patriots won the Super Bowl, again. Boston hosted another huge victory parade, and the president delivered the State of the Union address. But this week's episode is dedicated to all things Framingham. It is a Framingham takeover. It was once the largest town in America, but in 2018, Framingham became Massachusetts' newest city. And even before that, we were seeing growth and big things out of Framingham, and it continues. Whether it's the booming craft beer scene, the life sciences sector, or housing, Framingham has a lot to offer, and you'll hear more about it in this week's episode. First up, an interview with Gabriele Brambilla from Alira Health. This is Suzanne Morris. I'm a vice president at O'Neill & Associates, and I'm here today with Gabriele Brambilla, who is the chief executive officer of a company in Framingham called Alira Health. And he's here today to talk to us a little bit about the company and its location in Framingham and why Framingham is such a great location for a lot of different businesses. So welcome. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Great You're, pronunciation of my name. Thank you. I appreciate that it. That was good. Um, just tell us, why don't you just give us a little bit of an overview about Alira Health and what you guys do? So Alira Health. Alira Health is a, is a company, an international advisory firm specialized, dedicated to the healthcare world. Uh, we provide uh, five major buckets of services, uh, innovation, and we have labs in Framingham. We develop new products for service regulatory, clinical, uh, management cons- consulting, upstream and downstream, and, and transaction advisory, all in the healthcare world. We are international. We have um, two offices in the United States and four in Europe. Um, we, I was at an event with you about a year and a half ago where you were That's talking right. about the various headquarters that uh, Elira has around the world, and it was like Munich, Paris, and Framingham. Yeah, I always <laughs> make that joke, right? <laughs> How much do you like Framingham, Gabriela? My answer is just, just look at the map of where our offices are. <laughs> we are downtown Milan, downtown Paris, downtown Munich. Um, downtown San Francisco and then downtown Framingham. Exactly. So Framingham proud. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> um, but you did actually, I think, initially start in Boston. Yeah. That's correct, right? Yeah, when I came in 2010, my first office, it was me and a couple of other people, was uh, Federal Street here in Boston, downtown Boston. So why did you choose Framingham as opposed to staying in Boston? But I, I was looking for a new space just because of a uh, size. And uh, and I was looking uh, a place closer to where I was uh, where I where I lived at that time was uh, Wesley, mm. and uh, and then I was not too satisfied with the interaction I had uh, with, with the community in Boston. I mean, when you are nothing against Boston, Boston is an amazing city. I love it. It's just uh, it, it's difficult to interact that personal uh, con- connection with the people around you in in a big city. And it's difficult to feel part of a community in a big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you meet a lot of people for a very short amount of time. Uh, very difficult conversations, very quick. And uh, it feels like it, it doesn't matter as much for the listener or for me uh, to interact. It's just be part of a big city. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Framingham is different, right? Framingham is a, uh, is, a, is a place where, for us, especially where we are based, we are downtown Framingham, right. which is not a tech park. It's a little bit different, and uh, the fact that I can walk to a coffee place and while I walk, go through different residential area, residential areas, and be able to interact with people, talk to people. It feels like it matters to them, it matters to me, and it's a uh, much more meaningful communication. And uh, you feel part of a community, which is in a big city is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. I live in Shanghai. 
I live in many big cities and uh, it's difficult to create that connection in a big city. So, so that's interesting because a lot of times when we talk to people about why they're staying in Framingham, they talk a lot about the very practical reasons um, in uh, terms of lower overhead, but you're still getting a great workforce. Uh, but you're also saying that the community connections there are really, um, really important to the business. To me. Yeah. It's, a, it's a personal thing. Uh, for me, it was a lot of things, right? So first of all, I wanted to find a place with character, with some history behind. I'm a major in history. Maybe that's like, <laughs> that's why I look for something with a, uh, with character in the building, but uh, this this uh, building, the Denison Manufacturing Building, that I fell in love the first time I went to look at it, and the location. So it's true there is lower cost in Boston. Uh, there is uh, maybe more availability of space and more flexibility in growing within a certain space, like it was for us. But uh, it's not just that, and uh, so I liked a lot of other parts of it, especially the building, the fact that we are downtown. The fact that we are in a growing and changing environment, mm -hmm. I like it. I want to be part of it. Yeah. I want to be a promoter of it. So, you mentioned, and I was going to ask you a little bit more about because you are in the in One Grant Street, which is the former Denison Manufacturing, which is a great old industrial building. Um, so, uh, talk a little bit more about the appeal to you about that building. But then also, I know that you're going through a little bit of an expansion. So, if you want to talk about that too, yeah. Uh, again, major in. History. So when uh, when I was brought there, uh, I looked at the building, I asked around what was the building about, and there's uh, almost 100 years of histories, or history in that building, right? 80, 1897, mm -hmm. they moved there, and then they left in 1990. And uh, there's there's a lot of uh, of great things that happened in that in that in that company and in those buildings. And I wanted to find something loft style, uh, different, where I wanted to put the labs in the middle, all glass. A lot of people could see where innovation happens. And uh, for me, it's important, for example, to have a, a high ceiling and, and the lab in the middle because then the people around, my bankers, my consultants, my regulatory guys can see where innovation happens. Because if we make money on regulatory or on clinical, it's because we are leveraging an innovation, an idea that somebody has developed somewhere else mm -hmm. in the garage. Or, so I want them to respect innovation in everything they do. And that was a perfect environment where I could picture our office. So to that end, I know you've been really involved in developing the Metro West, Metro West Life Sciences Network. Um, tell, talk a little bit about what you think Metro West in general and then Framingham in specific can really offer to growing life sciences companies like yours. Yeah. So yeah, um, about a year ago, we, we started, we established the Metro West Life Science Network, uh, idea that came... Uh, four of us from the Natick, Framingham, myself, and Abbey Labs, which is an incubator in, in Natick. And uh, I'm the chairman of the organization. We are proud of what we built. And we are actually right now reaching out to have a lot more members. The objective of it is, uh, is very simple, is to improve, foster the life science and healthcare community in the area and make the area more attractive and appealing for people that are involved in life science and healthcare for many different reasons. Uh, try to help the local universities developing a lot more human capital so people that have expertise uh, or would like to be to enter a career in, uh, in healthcare. Uh, make healthcare, put, uh, put Framingham or uh, Metro West on the map of uh, financial investors. Right now, most mm. of them are just looking at Boston mm. where technologies are developed and um, and then uh, have Framingham or, for my case, of Metro West in general, 
as a good target for development of uh, new ideas and new technologies. So we, we, we build initiatives where we bring companies from outside the world coming and visiting Metro West so that they can see the advantages. And advantages are multiple. We discussed about the, the cost factor. Obviously, Boston is extremely, is extremely expensive right now. But it's, it's not just that. It's, uh, if you are able to create a lot more human capital dedicated to healthcare, if you're able to put on the map of financial investors, Metro West as a, as a hot area, if you're able to bring new companies that are in the hot area of healthcare, right? That is not only pharma, it's the services world, it's the digital health, the data science, all that. If you think about it, there are two pretty interesting companies in, only in Framingham, um, like um, Definitive Healthcare, which mm -hmm. is a very interesting mm -hmm. yep. uh, data company in healthcare. You have IDC, which is not only healthcare, they do IT market analysis. So um, say a life sciences company comes to you and says, we're thinking about coming to Framingham. What's your pitch to them to say, yes, you should absolutely uh, choose Framingham? Uh, you can be part of a community where you can interact with other healthcare companies. Uh, there is Philips right there. There is Kefira. There is, there is a lot of other companies in that area that are, that are coming up, and we would like more of those. Um, there is space available, mm -hmm. which is that is important. They understand what is a lab. So Framingham is, is versed with, with, with the needs of lab uh, and, and what you have to do to build it. So it's favorable to that. And, uh, and uh, if you think about it, there is Metro West Medical Center right there, which is big because Metro West Medical Centers coordinate uh, all the IRB approvals, which is the approval you have to have to, to run a clinical trial for all tenant healthcare, which is an 80 mm -hmm hospital network. Hmm. So if you get approval IRB at Medical Center, uh, Metro West Medical Center, you could get your product used in 80 hospital in a clinical trial, which is huge for a research company. Mm -hmm. um, so there are advantages being, down, being downtown for sure, and, and that's what I would pitch. Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Gabriele. I hope oh, I get your name again. Yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, an interview with Sam Hendler of Jack's Abbey. I am here today with Sam Hendler, who is a co-founder of Jack's Abbey, which is located in Framingham. And he's going to talk to us a little bit today about Jack's Abbey and about Framingham in general. So welcome, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Our pleasure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Jack's Abbey um, and everything that you have to offer at the site in Framingham, downtown Framingham? Yeah, so a little bit about Jack's Abbey in general. Um, we were started by myself and my two brothers back in 2011. So we got the doors open July 2011 in downtown Framingham, but in a different space. Um, and we were very small. We opened up. It was literally zero employees. Mm -hmm. It was just the three of us. Um, a lot of help from friends and family, but pretty quickly grew. Um, so we grew within that space down on Morton Street, just right. a half mile away from where we are now for uh, about three and a half years. So then we signed a lease at a, a new facility uh, a little bit closer right into the center of downtown Framingham right. and a whole lot bigger. So the new site, um, we have 130,000 square feet now. Mm -hmm. The old space was about 12,000 square feet. Um, wow, so much bigger. We topped out at our old facility with about 25 employees, and we're right around 150 now. Wow. Um, and we just have a lot more to offer. So we have a full beer hall, uh, food service, uh, come in, try a couple beers, 
wonderful wood-fired pizza, full menu, uh, full service at the tables. Um, we also have a sister brand that we've started up over the last two years called Springdale, mm-hmm. and that has its own taproom space, a little bit more informal, um, some games, cornhole, arcade games, um, really geared towards evenings and weekends and just kind of right. chilling, hanging out. Um, yeah, and then all of our production is on site as well. Right. So we have our office and administrative staff on site, and then uh, we're making about 650,000 cases of beer a year wow. in that building as well. Right, and so that's for anyone who's going out and purchasing Jack's Abbey in the stores that's all being made there in framing. Exactly. Right. So, as you mentioned, um, if anyone has been to um, the tap room and then the Springdale Barrel Room, there's a lot there. So, um, tell us a little bit about why it was important to establish yourself in Framingham. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as far as how we ended up in Framingham, mm-hmm. yep. we we ended up in Framingham for some of the obvious and maybe looking back at it a little bit more shallow reasons <laughs> than what, why we're still there today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like affordable industrial space, um, easy access into Boston, easy access out to Worcester. Um, I mean, to be completely frank, going out from Boston, it, it was the first one of the first places we could afford mm-hmm. yep. to start a brewery. It requires space. It requires Things like loading docks and um, utilities and water is a big one. Uh, Framingham is an MWRA town, so Mm -hmm. we have great quality water and sewer. Um, So it just has a lot of the the infrastructure and stuff that we needed to start a brewery uh, relatively cheap. Yeah, that's interesting because I think a lot of people would think starting a brewery is... They probably have a, an idea of it as very glamorous, right? Yeah. And you actually have to think about things like what's the water quality and, you know, what's the overhead cost and all those kinds of things. Yeah, and, you know, we're not we're not just a little brew pub. We're making right. a lot of beer, and we distribute it across the Northeast. And you know, things like their trucks in mm-hmm. and out of the facility every day. Um, we're dealing with millions and millions of pounds of spent grain a year that have to get picked up in mm-hmm. dump trucks and right. taken out to farms. That is something that's really, really challenging to do in a Boston or mm-hmm. in the immediate uh, suburbs around it. So um, Framingham really is, from an access infrastructure standpoint, really great. Now, I, I mean, so that's how we ended up there seven and a half years ago. Um, it's really eight years ago that we signed the lease there. Right. Um, but I think the more interesting look is three and a half, four years ago when we decided to double down and stay there. Right. Um, we you know, signed the lease on this building that's 10 times the size and invested a whole lot of money in the beer hall and the tap room at Springdale now. And um, we find ourselves in this awesome spot. Yeah. Downtown Framingham has a lot going on. Framingham overall has a lot going on. Um, it's growing. There's like a vibrant community that already exists and is, um, I think, as more is going on down there, it's just going to kind of snowball. Yeah. Um, so that was actually going to be my next question, sort of why did you stay and 
and then, you know, as a follow-up to that, there is a lot of growth going on in downtown, and there is more growth in downtown Framingham around the restaurant scene and the sort of entertainment scene. So talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot just going on right now. Yeah. Um, some of the the obvious big successes, um, you know, Exhibit A is a brewery mm-hmm. that's actually come into the space that we were in. So we sold them all of our old equipment in place, and they've done a wonderful job. Um, we've been able to have a lot of success on our site. Um, Faux de Cow is an awesome place yep. downtown. Uh, and, you know, the the obvious, the elephant in the room right now for anybody walking around downtown is these massive residential buildings right. that are getting uh, erected right now. And, you know, looking at possibility of in the ballpark of a thousand units, you know, being completed over the next year or two, it's just a very exciting time, and I think there's only more and more to come. Yeah, I think that's true. And nationally. Interesting. So is there anything you'd like to add? Anything we missed? Probably. (laughs) There's a lot going on in Framingham. I mean, it's just, it's an exciting time to be in business there, and um, yeah, we're, we're very happy where we are. Well, Sam Handler, thank you for joining us today. Really interesting conversation. Yeah, thanks for the time. And finally, an interview with Art Robert, the Director of Community and Economic Development for the City of Framingham. So uh, welcome to OA On Air. I am here. This is Suzanne Morris. I'm a vice president at O'Neill and Associates here. And I'm here with Arthur Robert, um, who is the director of community and economic development for the city of Framingham. And he's here to talk to us today for our very special Framingham episode about um, all the exciting things that are going on in Framingham right now. So welcome, Art. Hello, Suzanne. Thank you for making the, the time this morning. My pleasure. So... As I just mentioned, you know, Framingham has seen a lot of growth over the last few years. So let's talk a little bit about where that growth is taking place and and how it has happened, how the city has engineered that growth. Sure, Suzanne. Uh, Two two locations in Framingham, which is a city of 70,000 people in about 26 square miles, a very diverse place economically, geographically, as well as demographically, are our downtown and the Mass Pike Exit 12 area. Mm-hmm. Our downtown has been the focus of a sustained effort to uh, attract transit-oriented development to drive a transformation. And the Mass Pike Exit 12 area has been a location where uh, a lot of gr- new growth around uh, Framingham's life sciences cluster has taken place. Right. In both, both locations, growth has reflected uh, a deliberate strategy of planning, infrastructure investment, and uh, to some extent, uh, business outreach and business development to uh, bring new business activity to Framingham. Right. So as you mentioned, downtown, there's been a lot of growth and there has been a, a real concerted effort um, from the city to to develop a tr- uh, transit-oriented development strategy. You guys just won an award from um, the Massachusetts chapter of the American Planning Association on it. Talk a little bit about the history behind that strategy and if other communities who are looking to build uh, residential real estate came to you and said, how did you make this work? What would your, what would your response be? Sure, Suzanne. Uh, our success in, in our downtown ultimately reflects uh, a community-based leadership effort to help realize 
the, the potential of our downtown to become uh, an economic engine as a dynamic urban center for, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, for the city and the larger Metro West region. In Framingham, our downtown's biggest challenge is ultimately our zoning, which mm -hmm. did not allow for uh, modern, feasible, mixed-use and multifamily projects to go forward. So based on that insight and based on the consensus that those roundtable discussions built, we embarked on a research effort to understand what it would take to change the zoning to attract the kind of development that many communities have seen around commuter rail stations. Uh, Framingham's downtown is a host to one of those uh, commuter rail stations. In fact, it's the busiest on the Framingham-Worcester line between yeah. Boston and Worcester. So we saw that as the fundamental resource to leverage. So knowing that resource, knowing the consensus that we have built, we embarked on a, a research effort that identified the, what it would take in terms of zoning changes and other steps Framingham could take to attract that form of development. That was essentially a, a three-year effort that uh, built on marketing research, uh, projected into uh, the community and to, and to stakeholders through a, a number of uh, different types of, of community meetings that culminated in zoning presented to our city council, excuse me, then town meeting in October 2015. Uh, that that the zoning proposals passed uh, by overwhelming margins, you know, reflecting the amount of consensus in the the the, the data and information that that supported the building of that consensus. With zoning passed, then we turned our attention to the fundamentals of, of sharing uh, our vision, sharing uh, our downtown's potential, and sharing the, the, the change zoning rules with the development community yeah. through a sustained developer outreach effort that over time resulted in Framingham attracting a, a project pipeline of nine projects with the potential of, a, of bringing 900 new uh, residential units within a 10-minute walk of our commuter rail station. Um, you also mentioned when we were talking about the life sciences cluster and how much uh, Framingham is growing its life sciences cl cluster. And there's other innovation companies and creative economy companies that are in Framingham now. What's your pitch to companies, a life science company or another innovation company, when they say, oh, we're interested, we're thinking about moving to, uh, to Framingham? What's your pitch to them? Well, let me be clear. What's exciting about Framingham is that we're home to a, a quite a diverse range of life sciences companies. We have uh, we're home to Santa Fe Genzymes manufacturing facility. Uh, that location has recently uh, attracted the the attention of King Street Properties, mm. that is building a multi-tenant uh, life sciences manufacturing facility, that has already uh, attracted Replimune, a, a recently uh, brought to public. A biomanufacturing firms' commitment to locate in Framingham. But we also have a range of, of companies that are focused on uh, leveraging data in, in artificial intelligence, uh, such as companies like Variantix and Berg Health. Mm -hmm. And we're, we've also seen a number of, of smaller companies, be them startups or be them uh, sector consultancies, that uh, are providing a lot of additional dynamism. Examples include Kefira Diagnostics, Cura, two new companies to Framingham uh, last year, right. as well as Alira Health, a global life sciences consultancy um, headquartered in Framingham. So 
I think it, it was important to highlight the diversity of life sciences companies that Framingham hosts as, as a fundamental, uh, I guess, proof point of the, of the Framingham advantage for life sciences. You know, different elements of our attractiveness borne out by the presence of those companies include our strategic location, uh, located halfway between Boston and Worcester. Uh, our location provides easy access to in the region's innovation and assets in Boston and Cambridge. Uh, when, when company leaders need it. Other factors that certainly matter include our lower operating costs. Mm -hmm, our our sure. rents are dramatically lower than uh, in, in Boston or Cambridge. We have a high quality workforce and uh, Framingham and the greater Metro West region offers a great quality of life for, uh, the for the employees that work at these companies. I can tell you that through talking with C-level uh, executives at many of these companies, They've chosen to be in Framingham to provide a, a better way of life and a better option for their employees and their growing families. Yep. So to that point, in terms of quality of life and way of life, uh, Framingham is also developing a reputation as a destination for um, entertainment. I think most prominently is Jack Zabby uh, Brewing Company and their Springdale Barrel Room. I know you've worked really hard to find um, ways for the that kind of amenity to grow. Can you talk a little bit, I think specifically about Jack's Abbey and, and the opportunities, you know, what you did to work with them to help grow um, their business? Sure. Jack's Abbey Brewing represents a fantastic success story in Framingham. They've, they started their, their brewing operations in a smaller building at 81 Morton Street. And we were able to work with them to support a, a dramatic expansion, uh, helping them find an appropriate site, working offline with, uh, with property owners to develop a, a novel location solution. And we also uh, entered into a tax increment financing agreement with mm -hmm. the company that helped address uh, some, of the, some costs related to their expansion. Uh, since, they've, since they moved to 100 uh, Clinton Street in Framingham. The company's been through two rounds of expansion and now occupies a, all of a once vacant 140,000-square-foot uh, manufacturing building. So they've been able to, uh, for Framingham, effect a dramatic transformation in a location yeah. proximate to our downtown that is providing great number of new jobs on the manufacturing side as well as uh, the amenity side and uh, are helping to redefine Framingham as a as a as a destination for a, a broad range of, of people be them older beer aficionados as well as young families yep. and and uh, young professionals yeah, that's right so what's next for Framingham well we're at an exciting time you pointed out that uh, Framingham is a new city our mayor, Yvonne Spicer, is just beginning her second year as mayor, and Framingham is beginning our second year as a city mm -hmm. after being a town since 1700. Uh, mayor Spicer recently delivered her State of the City address, and she outlined four priorities uh, for 2019, economic development, housing, transportation, and education. Uh, she's laid out a, a, a broad framework that of which most of those items are tied directly to, to my team and our work in making Framingham uh, not just an attractive place to live, but an attractive place for businesses to locate and grow. Great. Anything you'd like to add? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Framingham is open for business. We've been very successful with companies like Jack's Abbey, and we welcome interest, and we welcome opportunities to talk with any company, large or small, that's interested in locating here. And you can learn more about us at our website, www.chooseframingham.com. Arthur Robert, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Suzanne. Hello, Tom. Cayenne. Tom. Away on air. Two minutes with Tom. Here we are again. So it's been a very busy week, both in Boston, Massachusetts, and the country. Big stuff happening. But before we go there, we had a Framingham takeover this week. Massachusetts' newest city as of 2018. Exciting for Metro West, isn't it, huh? It is. That Framingham became a city, the largest town in the state for the longest period of time, as I can remember. And I think, you know, because Metro West is growing so quickly and that, that axis in the, in the, you know, from the, from the uh, Blackstone Valley to Worcester to Boston, that Framingham is really, Framingham is really in the middle of all that activity, mm-hmm. that growth. And it's a, it's a nerve center today, and it's important that the governance change took place. And uh, I think very good things are going to come because of that change in, in government from a town government to a city government. Yeah, it's an exciting time. That's right. Yeah. So, switching gears, mm-hmm. the Patriots won. I'm glad you're talking about the Patriots. They can't not talk about They're off to their seventh Super Bowl. That is, you are making the prediction. You did it I, last I, year. I, I, I did it two years ago. Yep. And it came back, and they gave us the sixth. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I am making a prediction. So, for anyone that doesn't know, two years ago, so we are very fortunate here at our office that the Patriots parade either goes by us or this year, literally ended it stopped at, right at here, our front door. At, at our front at door. Front door. It was That's amazing. Right. Right. Um, and we hold up fingers in the windows, all of us, seven. Yes. And everybody on the bus laughs because they know that we're referring to the next Super Bowl win. Because you did that last time with the That's six, right. and you said Bill Belichick laughed at you <laughs> from the duck boat. And here we are. And he did again. That's great. So you're bringing good luck. Well, I don't know if I'm bringing good luck, but they, they certainly are a team to be I'll give you credit. to be admired. I mean, they are. I mean, everybody everybody admires and talks about mostly the quarterback and the and the coach, and they're a dynamic duo. But that team, that defense, that front four and offense, I mean, all the players that don't get heralded or, or talked about, they're the ones that made the difference in the Super Bowl and, frankly, throughout the the playoffs. Yeah. They were super. It was an interesting game. It was a great game. And that it wasn't all that interesting sometimes. Oh, it was. It was very interesting. I, I, I happen to think for everybody that sat back and said, well, they didn't score enough points. It wasn't exciting enough. Just the defensive play yes. was fabulous. And uh, It was. It, yeah. okay. But no big scoring. And that can be a little disappointing sometimes when you're tired on a Sunday night. But we've, we've gone on a tangent. So the other big thing that happened this week, we can't. State yes. of the Union. State of the Union. And uh, you were on Bloomberg Radio uh, this week talking about that. What were your takeaways? Well, to give the president his due, he did talk about, he did talk about the military in a, in a glowing fashion. He did talk about taking care of, of young people with, with uh, disease and, and wiping out, uh, frankly, H, HIV in, in, in the next years of, of his presidency. And um, and he talked about immigration in a positive as well as a negative sense. I think that um, you know, as a Democrat, looking and, and listening to his speech, it was a speech that was an hour and thirty-five minutes, 
I mean, he could have spent more time, frankly, on the future of the United States and its role in the in the global stage. And um, you know, because we're so becoming so isolationist, because we're becoming so into ourselves. The great fear I have is that this president is 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 going backwards in in time. Um, history has has shown that the United States is the greatest experience experiment in the history of world of world history. We for over two hundred years have been a democracy that has thrived. We're the leader in the world, and we want to continue that place on this globe. And uh, I only wish that the president would talk about those things, lead us in those things. And um, and use a a place like the a platform like the 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 uh, U.S. House of Representatives to give a State of the Union address. It's more positive than he was. And he did say going into it that he he wanted to unify, and that wasn't my takeaway from that. Yeah, speech, he talked but. about unity, and he talked about the parties working together, and that's good language. And I only hope that it's true after the fact. So for somebody who considers himself the greatest negotiator in the annals of American political history. He's got a long way to go. Thank you, Tom. Sorry we wound up on that negative note, but... Uh, well, let's go back. We had a talk. phenomenal parade. <laughs> Before the State of the Union, Boston hosted hey, a pretty great parade. Go Pats, <laughs> 2019 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. That's it for this week's episode of OA on Air. Thanks to everyone from Framingham for coming in and taking over this week. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or check us out on our own O'Neill & Associates website. Talk to you next week. <laughs>